0: Good afternoon, and welcome to this week's episode of the Serious Security Seminar, live from Purdue University. Uh, I have dropped in the notes that uh, if you have not, I wanted to notify you that the registration is is indeed now open for the twenty fourth annual Serious Symposium at Purdue. Uh, the address: uh, www.serious.purdue.edu/symposium, or visit our website. Uh, But today, it is my distinct honor to be able to introduce our guest. So I have been at uh, Sirius for about 17 years. I'll be coming up on my 17th anniversary. So I guess one of the nice things is that when you've been around this long, uh, and great faculty continue to do great research that they get invited back That. This is actually the second opportunity that, uh, that our speaker today has been able to, to speak in, in the serious seminar. So, again, it is my distinct honor to introduce Dr. Albert Chang. Uh, professor Chang is a Fulbright Specialist uh, and both uh, a full professor in Computer Science and a full, full professor in Computer Engineering uh, at the University of Houston. Albert, great to have you back on campus, unfortunately virtually this time,
1: but great to have you nonetheless. Thank you very much, Joe air for the uh, outstanding uh, introduction. Yeah. So yeah, and I also confirmed that you know you can record my talk. Um, so so please please do so. Yeah. All right, so so welcome. Uh, so in this uh, in this talk, you know short talk, uh, 15 minutes, I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, using uh, regularity based virtualization and also functional reactive programming to make real-time systems, cyber-physical systems, um, embedded systems more robust. Uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, congratulate uh, Produce Sirius for the 25th anniversary of its founding. And I'm proud to be part of uh, Sirius history. Uh, as, as Joanne mentioned, uh, you know, I, I gave a talk. Yeah, that was uh, 16 years ago on March 28, 2007, and I gave a talk on verification of real-time systems and intrusion detection. And my host at that time was, you know, very friendly uh, David Yao. So again, congratulations to, to the 25th anniversary of Sirius funding. All right. I also like to thank you, my own research group here, who has done all, you know, excellent job in in basically getting the results and and, uh, some of which are presented here. So my current research group here, PhD student, undergrad and and scholar, visiting scholar. So you can see pictures, uh, recent picture, it's a group meeting that's virtual. And then um, before the pandemic we have you know, larger uh, in person meeting uh, parties and also visit to interesting sites like the Arecibo uh, Observatory in Puerto Rico, you know, after uh, RTSS uh, 2012. And RTSS Real Time System Symposium, it's our flagship conference, uh, you know, in real time system. Uh, I, uh, as Joanne mentioned, I'm a Fulbright specialist. Uh, and uh, my term you know, runs uh, until the end of 2024. And uh, a recent assignment was uh, to Panama. And here's a letter from President Trump at that time, Panama Canal. And, and the goal was to uh, help the universities there to enhance the research uh, capabilities and also uh, uh, improve their uh, graduate and undergraduate research programs. So I also travel a lot, like uh, in, in these two slides, you can see University, University of Washington, uh, Rome, Oxford, uh, giving talks on different uh, subject topics uh, to Caltech, uh, TU, Technical University of Vienna uh, at CPS Week, and also UC Berkeley on the, on the lower right. So it's, it's always great to, to, put, uh, to really interchange ideas with all of you. And I'm very happy to be here uh, second time uh, at, at Purdue uh, and exchanging ideas, and hopefully uh, engage you in, in uh, research in, in better systems, real-time systems and cyber physical systems. All right, so the, the focus here, maybe it's uh, different from what you, you usually see. And basically we're looking at um, real-time embedded system that are controlling uh, safety-critical processes that have timing constraints, hard real-time constraint. So not only you have to be uh, logically correct, but also timing correct. So you have to meet the timing constraint. So for example, an airbag system in your car, there's a collision and then the airbag has to deploy within 15 milliseconds or less right so it's not good enough for the airbag to deploy to inflate but if it's late let's say 2 seconds later you know it's not useful although the, the, the airbag inflates right but it's not doing it within 50 milliseconds so so timing performance is critical to the correctness of the system right not to mention you know we can encounter intruders attack right that can uh, uh, compromise the security and safety of the system. So, so today we're going to focus on monitoring and control systems in a modern real-time system. So you have uh, a decision system, a control system that is based on computer hardware and software, and uh, you have a target system that is under control. It could be chemical, fluid, electrical, mechanical, and thermal, and then in between. The uh, signal processing, right? Uh, you have the energy com- conversion that shows you basically parameters, you know, real-time parameters from the target system. And based on this, you're supposed to, you know, the de- decision system is going to actuate, right? Again, energy conversion, power modulation that will send signals and then maybe open a valve, maybe cause the chemical in the airbag to explode so that the airbag inflates you know, within fifty milliseconds. Depending on the system that is you know, under control, it will basically be affected. And the goal is to ensure safety and progress of the target system. And individual system like this could be networked to other embedded system, you know, forming a, a more complex real-time system, could be a cyber physical system. And of course the user interface is very important. But today we're gonna focus on the part D. So basically the control system that is making the decision to make sure
2: that the target system operates safely and reliably, always on time. So a little bit about real-time systems theory, especially for those of you who are not familiar with this.
1: Uh, So this is obviously a real-time system, It's the Mars rover. And uh, one of the problems that has been publicized uh, in one of the mission is uh, the problem with the uh, uh, priority inheritance protocol. So basically the system kept shutting down, right? And the uh, higher priority task does not get to execute, right? So a scientific experiment could not be done. And new version of the software has to be uh, uploaded to the system after several days of exploration and finding out the bug. So our goal is to make systems like this more robust, okay, uh, more robust, more reliable, right? So we can defend against programmer errors as well as unwanted intrusion by uh, basically actors who are uh, determined to do harm to the system. So a little bit about the theory is necessary, right? Uh, to understand further the, the seminar. Uh, as you know, the more components you have in a system, the more it is, the more difficult it is to build and to maintain. And we want to build a system that is robust and secure. So we have to build a system that does not fail you know, uh, quickly, if there is basically a fault in the system, it could be because of, uh, of, a, of a programming error or, or because of an intrusion. So we want to make a system as robust as possible. So in a way, if you think from the security point of view is to reduce the attack surface you know that the intruders can get in. All right, so in, in real-time systems, we talk about preemptive scheduling and also non-preemptive uh, scheduling. So preemptive scheduling may not be suitable all the time because we have to ensure critical section uh, for certain portions of the code. Uh, and, uh, and however, it has overheads because you have to do uh, contact switches. However, the schedulability is increased if you have preemptive scheduling versus non-preemptive. So there, are issues that you know you'll see there's trade-off in, in the design and implementation. So in you know as I said with preemptive scheduling you have more uh, uh, more likely to find feasible schedule meeting all the deadlines, but with non-preemptive you know it's easier and it prevents uh, the uh, priority inversion problem that has occurred in the Mars rover. Uh, one of the missions of the Mars rover uh, and obviously less complex but with non-preemptive you're going to get fewer physical schedules so another way to simplify this as you'll see later right to, to ensure we have fewer errors fewer synchronization problem is through the use of uh, uh, functional programming or you can also restrict the uh, the periods the sampling rate of the task to be harmonic. Uh, I'm not going to details of this, otherwise I cannot go to the main point. So I will flash through this slides, you know, and then, yeah, If you have questions, you know, you can ask me at the end of the lecture. So this is showing harmonic task sets. So meaning the periods are multiples of each other, right? and this is a believe me, it's a it's a good schedule, meeting the deadlines of this periodic tasks. So another example, with
2: more tasks, so seven tasks, again, harmonic uh, periods. And again, this is a good schedule beating all the deadlines.
1: Now, let me define what is a real-time or embedded system. So an embedded system, it's a computer system that is designed to, uh, to do something specific to control functions within a larger system that's why it's called embedded right so the computer hardware and software is embedded into something more complex something larger like a uh, lay model sports car and constraint you're not just talking about timing constraint like deadlines but also there's uh, memory size constraint there's power, right? Imagine this is a portable device with an embedded uh, uh, computer, right? You need to do various uh, monitoring operation, so there's power constraint, right? So you cannot run it, you know, at the highest uh, uh, voltage or frequency because then you need to recharge your device very, you know, very soon. Obviously, there's also size constraint, so you, you cannot fit in an entire. Uh, data center with all the servers in a small system like this, or like in a satellite, right, or in a portable device. So, embedded system is, uh, you know, in short, something a computer that's embedded into something more complex. And the main uh, function is not just computation, like in a car, it's to uh, move you from point A to point B safely. Now uh, you you probably have heard about other terms such as cyber physical systems. So it's a fusion of computation, communication, and physical elements. And then later we'll talk more about the functional reactive systems, which are basically real time systems that uses functional programs as the code uh, as the code part the core part right, of the monitoring and control mechanism. And I already mentioned the complexity. Right? So not only you need to meet uh, logical correctness constraint, but also timing constraint. Right? You have to execute the task, finish the task or the thread uh, within the specified deadline every time. And the timing constraint obviously varies from one application to another. Right? So if you're talking about a car, you're talking about millisecond performance. If you are talking about a nuclear physics experiment at the at the at, at a linear accelerator or at the CERN in Europe, you are talking about below nanosecond performance. So complexity is a major issue. Today we're going to focus on uh, robustness and and reliability, right? How to make the system more robust, you know, against errors that are, you know. Uh, could be programmers-induced, or it could be something outside the system uh, that would require us to uh, design the system in a fault-tolerant way. Uh, security and privacy, I, I don't need to say much. You know, The whole center here is devoted to, to this area. And it should be a first-class design issue. You know, it should not be an afterthought, right? Because any weak point in the system, small devices
2: could be the most vulnerable. Right, in an internet of things or cyber physical system. So functional reactive system is systems that react you know, to the environment in
1: monitor and control. And later on we'll show how functional programs help with making the system more robust. And I'm gonna show you several examples like uh, of reactive systems, uh, light switch, and uh, thermostat climate control system. So these are soft real-time reactive systems. And if you have a pacemaker or a anti-lock brakes mechanism, that would be a
2: reactive hard real-time system. So CPS or cyber physical system, it's the fusion
1: of computation, physical devices, and also communication. So we can see uh, state-of-the-art CPS involving maybe robotic surgery. And here is, uh, is, uh, is uh, transport vehicles uh, from the military. So the current set of tools are not able to really uh, handle the complexity at this, at this point. So more research are ongoing. And our job is, is to make the controllers more robust. Uh, as, as, as I allocate, it will be using Uh, virtualization and also uh, FRP, Functional Reactive Programming. So another area where you encounter this, so I mentioned uh, automotive and medical, uh, you'll see the grid, the energy grid, it's it's a CPS. Uh, So this is conventional system, right? So uh, the generation of the uh, uh, electricity to transmission, distribution, and usage. So enter a, a smart system. You talk about smart meters. Uh, you talk about using uh, very accurate uh, weather prediction, uh, so that we can uh, use uh, green energy as much as possible, as opposed to uh, uh, coal and and basically you know more uh, polluting energy uh, sources. Again, uh, intrusion detection is. Uh, it should not be an afterthought, you know. So there's always some uh, uh, bad actors who want to maybe do harm to the system, and also in my research is to allocate using formal methods to ensure uh, the uh, the system is uh, is really safe. So here's a picture diagram showing a a smart system, you know, for the energy production to consumption,
2: a, a CPS for the grid. And the goal is to use green energy as much as possible. We want to avoid blackout
1: uh, or problem, let's say, with the freeze like uh, uh, years or a couple of years ago in, in Texas. So, you know, uh, the freeze cause uh, uh, basically the, um, the electric supplier not being able to supply electricity to all the homes. But of course there are some other issues involved in that one. But many many years back in California, it's the same issue. So it's uh, you know because of the sudden demand uh, in uh, electricity usage, it's uh, basically many homes you know had uh, rolling blackout. Same thing for industry, and we like to avoid that with uh, with smart meters, with machine learning, with accurate weather prediction, and looking at the history of uh, basically past usage and real time usage. Of residential and commercial customers. Uh, another application, right? A domain. It's uh, air travel. You know, can we can we build systems that are so robust and secure that it can actually override human errors or or rogue actors in this system? So can we build systems that automatically avoid collision? You know, whether the airplane is on the ground or Above ground in the air, and I think lately there were uh, several incidents where there were near misses—you know, uh, airplanes very close in colliding with each other, in uh, on the ground, you know, at the airport. So how do you prevent that automatically? Right? It's the goal of uh, building uh, CPS, robust CPS for uh, for air transportation. So in this, an, an envelope is is uh, is uh, allocated and to ensure that uh, basically uh, airplanes are uh, are safe from each other, from colliding with each other, and also to override human errors or maybe even rogue pilots on uh, suicidal mission, right? Uh, But right now we are far from doing that because uh, it's the other way. So uh, the machine may make errors that cause airplanes to crash like the uh, the Boeing seven three seven Max accidents, you know at least two of them. So so we're still you know at the infancy of the research, and how to build robust system is uh, more important than ever before because with so so many uh, uh, complex uh, systems, uh, both hardware as well as software, you know which you cannot so easily visualize. So uh, uh, a high-level diagram showing the envelope around each airplane, making sure that they, they do not come into contact with others. So, so the goal here you know, is to, to develop tools you know, and, and platforms to make basically CPS uh, more robust and, and more reliable. And again, verification tools are allocated. So another example here, before I go into the, the, the key points, it's uh, it's uh, the SATS, it's a protocol to land uh, small aircraft uh, without the uh, instructions from uh, air traffic controllers. And this could save uh, a lot of money. You know? So many years ago, there were uh, a budget cut and they were talking about, government was talking about cutting the uh, number of, uh, of uh, traffic controllers in smaller airports, and a protocol like this you know, would be very useful. And we have actually analyzed uh, such a protocol from uh, developed by NASA using uh, real-time logic, uh, which is a, uh, a logic that allows you to reason about real-time events. So it's an enhancement of uh, first-order logic. All right, so now we are on to element number one uh, that to build a robust real-time system. And that is using uh, virtualization and in particular, regularity-based virtualization. Now, as you know, virtualization is increasingly used, not just in conventional system, but also in embedded system, right? And this is to enhance the safety, uh, robustness and security. So the virtual resource that is allocated to an application is guaranteed to meet the timing constraint of that application, if it's an embedded application, and also isolate itself from others you know, for robustness and, and security purposes. So what uh, virtualization does is to divide the hardware resources, uh, such as cores and processors, into temporal partition and allocate a virtual machine or resources. Right. So uh, several virtual resources on the same physical core can be allocated to different uh, uh, applications. There are two problems here. So, so one is virtualization underutilizes the hardware resources
2: in order to provide the real-time uh, guarantees. Second, the uh, periodic partitions uh, that were you know pretty much the, the
1: norm in, in uh, real-time virtualization fail to effectively bound the difference between the ideal and the actual resource allocation. So ideally, I like to have maybe every interval of time, periodic interval of time, uh, I have this much physical CPU allocated to a set of tasks. But in reality, this fluctuates a lot. And it may deviate too much from the from the ideal so these are two problems that make uh, you know virtualization uh, you know not so appropriate uh, especially for an embedded and real-time system so the solution is to employ the uh, regularity based resource partitioning model which uh, we have uh, worked on a lot and also enhanced and it's you know, we have shown it to be theoretically superior to other uh, models you know, uh, in existence. So it uses the concept of regularity, and I'm going to explain shortly what that is. And it provides a near ideal supply to all the virtual machines. So the actual resource allocation is very close to the ideal. And that is important because if you are guaranteed uh, a, a share of the CPU, then that guarantee should be happening all the time, not just once in a while. At the same time, with RRP, we achieved the highest utilization. And this is by not just one or 2%, but this is by 30% or more versus uh, the other models uh, that are available. So let's take a look. Uh, this is a, uh, a uh, high level diagram showing a physical resource is partitioned into multiple physical resources, okay or virtual machines. And then each virtual resource is uh, assigned to execute a, uh, a different task, right in, in different
2: applications. So basically you have a hierarchical uh, real-time uh, scheduling system Um, Real-time systems are not static. They are continuing evolving, right?
1: So continuously evolving. So uh, I, uh, they are called CERTs, right? Continue, Continuously Evolving Real-Time System. And if I'm running the CERTs on non-virtualized platforms, so basically I have to verify, certify and verify each pair of CERT and each hardware. But if I'm doing it with uh, virtual machines, then I only need to verify one, one pair of CERT and EM hypervisor. So this is more efficient than uh, non-virtualized system. And in fact, we have uh, implemented RRP on Sen, uh, which is an open source, you know, very popular uh, virtualization platform, and also on Extractum. It's a bare metal embedded hypervisor. So more about this uh, shortly. So a little bit on the research here. So too much to really squeeze into a 15 minutes talk. So basically 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago in in 2011, so we extended the uh, existing work at that time on RRP from a single resource to a uniform uh, multi-resource platform. And this is necessary so that it's applicable to multi-core computing platforms that are prevalent today. We also increase the utilization, making it attractive, right? But before that, basically you have to, you reach 50% of the utilization of the hardware resources and you cannot go further uh, in in still being able to guarantee uh, the the real-time performance uh, constraints. And then in 2016, uh, we achieved maximal transparency for task scheduling in the sense that uh, the uh, resource scheduler right, basically uh, does not need to know much about the task level parameters. So making making it possible to run legacy system, real-time system on virtualized system without uh, any modification. So that really simplified resource allocation and makes programmers happy with this uh, this new enhancement. And then in 2017, we provided uh, basically advanced approximation techniques that allows uh, RRP and and its um, partition scheduler to outperform any existing global scheduling algorithms uh, available. So these are great advances that makes virtualization attractive and, uh, in, in real-time system and making them more robust. So let's look at the, uh, the first paper, the 2016 paper, uh, that's on, uh, on uh, temporary resource partitions. And basically, we are dealing with weights. So, uh, so more weights means more Uh, uh, compute power for a specific uh, task group. And the goal is we want to make sure that we have fairness, performance, and real-time determinism. So there are two issues. So one, we can make the resource partitioning simple, or we can make the task scheduling simple. There's a trade-off here, right? End users obviously don't like changes, right? So you don't want to ask the programmer to change the software. It's already hard to develop and debug and validate. So we want to keep the simplicity on the task scheduling intact. Instead, we we work on the resource partitioning level. So this is a a graph showing uh, time and the supply, and the ideal line, the blue line shows, you know, uh, the availability of the uh, the hardware resources, and we do not want uh, basically the real supply at runtime to deviate too much from the ideal line. But with existing technique, the periodic resource model, it may deviate much more. So with RRP and our enhancement, this is you know very close to the ideal line, so that the red line doesn't you know go too far off. So we define that a resource partition is transparent for a scheduling policy and a task model if we can directly use the corresponding dedicated resource scheduling algorithms to solve its scheduling problem. So no modification. And that's the objective uh, in this uh, this paper and using the idea of cost grain scheduling as as a bridge. So we basically make you know a virtualized system using RRP and our enhancement, and to make scheduling. And I'm not going into the details here because of the time. So we want to make the scheduling as easy as if it, you are scheduling the, the application task on a dedicated machine, and not on a virtualized platform. So that's enabled by the result in in this paper. Right. So making this equivalency. That's one step. The other one is to make utilization as high as possible. Uh, recall that one of the problems, one of the two problems, is that it's uh, it's hard to use a virtualized system and still maintain a high utilization. Basically, you are capped off at about fifty percent. So imagine you buy a three gigahertz computer, you basically end up with a one point five gigahertz computer. So that would not be nice you know to do if um, you know if you use virtualization and you you basically cut your compute power in half that would not be a good sale for using virtualization so we are able to increase the utilization again you know using uh, you know in this model um and the way is we start with the uh, transparent task transparent task scheduling uh, technique in, in the 2016 paper. And then in the 2017 paper, um, we basically enhanced the algorithm uh, from 2012, RTSS 2012, to make it into something called MAU-Z or multiple uh, Z approximation sequences. Okay, it was uh, published in ACM uh, transactions on the embedded computing system, 2017. And the idea is to assign regular uh, partitions to resource units and then schedule them on each resource unit. And the results of a single resource scheduling are critical for a uh, partition scheduling as we have found out. So we have this uh, EABS for extended approximation boundary sequence. So this is needed to ensure that we have a uh, a, a, a supply, a real uh, resource supply that is very close to the ideal supply. So approximations are used, right? right so the, 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 uh, the ideal line, and we want to keep the red as close as possible. And we have this E-A-B-S working together and uh, on, on single resource as well as multiple resources, right? So these are showing different sequences Again, I'm not going to the details of the math here. Uh, but the goal is to show that there are different approximation overhead depending on the approximation sequences. And we choose the one that is most appropriate for the, uh, for the weight, for the uh, resource uh, supply that is desired, that is required by the application. And uh, working with this. We find out that you can see the red line, that's our newest algorithm, uh, basically outperforms uh, the other existing algorithm. Like the green is the global scheduling algorithm. And uh, looking, you know, the the horizontal is the weight, and the vertical line is vertical axis, is the um, uh, schedulability. And you can see that we can push toward. Uh, 93% or more, Okay, so very exciting result. Compared with the green, you can see more like uh, 80%, uh, 79%. So a 20 plus increase in the uh,
2: percent increase in the utilization of the hardware resources. All right, so not happy with just
1: increasing the utilization and making Task scheduling transparent. Right. Uh, We also incorporated uh, uh, fault tolerance into this model. So starting with uh, 2017 and also 2018. So the goal is that if there are faults occurring uh, because of, uh, let's say, um, uh, let's say there are transient faults, you know, due to uh, uh, stress on the semiconductor or it could be for induced by uh, an attacker that attempt to change the the timing performance, like delaying completion, could be a a fault. So we want to make it uh, basically more reliable by uh, using checkpointing and then re-execution of the the part of the code that experienced the fault. So again, I'm not going into the details here, but using checkpointing as well as uh, uh, varying the interval between checkpoints, if if there are no faults, and that way to reduce the overhead needed to incorporate this uh, this fault tolerance uh, mechanism. All right. So not only we have developed the theory, which have predicted high utilization, uh, transparency, and also uh, uh, adherence to the uh, ideal supply, right uh, with the r- real. We uh, saw supply, so we finally implemented after uh, several years and and several staff members working on this, mostly PhD student. So we implemented RRP and enhancement on SEN, and it, this was reported in ACM LCTES, and the uh, the artifact is available. You can download and try it out, and also on Extractum. And this was reported in IEEE transactions on computers. And then the the fault tolerance mechanism was reported at RTSS uh, and RTAS. And the research continues. So we want to build actual system, then a fault tolerant on actual hardware that are robust and uh, very safe against uh, intrusions that can affect the timing performance as well as the logical performance. The second part of the talk, it's uh, how, how to use functional programming and what it means for building uh, robust systems. So functional programming is uh, uh, it's something that is like uh, uh, programming with mathematical functions and the functions either evaluates completely or not at all, right? So it's all or nothing uh, proposition. Examples, you know, from Haskell, Atom, Erlang, STL, and F# by Microsoft. So, because these are math functions or something close to that, we can compose them more easily. We can verify them more easily, and you'll see shortly that we don't need synchronization primitives like weight and signal, and we can avoid uh, priority inversion Altogether. altogether. So in the next few slides, this is in high scale and it's a simulation of the anti-lock brake mechanism. Again, I I don't have time to actually go into here, uh, but you can certainly review my video later on and you can see that this simulates a a four-wheeled vehicle and they're basically the the wheel spinning and the goal is
2: to uh, brake and stop the vehicle. Right, so we start out with uh, the, the wheels spinning at different speeds. And we want to ensure that we go to
1: the same speed because some of the wheel may be locked, it's, it's uh, skidding on the surface. And the goal is to reach a, uh, to make sure that all the wheels spin at the same speed. And of course, if you need to break the car, you need to uh, make sure that all the wheels spin at zero, right, the speed would could go to zero. So uh, FRP is uh, similar to like uh, data flow programming, uh, but there are you know it's uh, there's some uh, differences as well, uh, and it's uh, basically a, a programming paradigm where programs are inherently stable and it can automatically react to to changes, and FRP allows uh, intuitive uh, specification and formal verification are uh, more easy compared to uh, procedural languages. So, uh, so FRP is similar to data flow, but it supports higher order functions. So it's a type safe language. Uh, it has, uh, can uh, model discrete and continuous aspects of, uh, of events. And it's a transactional model Right, similar to database transactions, and synchronization primitives are not required. So it's ideal for parallel execution. Uh, weakness, okay, this is still new, you know, in, in 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 the sense that it has not been used in the mainstream for controlling real time system. But the strength is, as I mentioned. Uh, it's very easy to compose. Uh, it doesn't require synchronization primitives. Uh, but one problem is that the model requires you to execute a function entirely or not. So if during the execution of a function it's interrupted, then you have to resume
2: from, uh, from the very beginning. So um, let's take a quick look. So you know, like
1: uh, to preserve in conventional system, we need to have mutual exclusion, right? Uh, to access shared resources. And mutual exclusion can incur delays, like this, the, the private here is using the table. There's only one and the general, a uh, higher, much higher priority, priority task may have to wait, you know, until the private finishes,
2: you know, using the table. So let's look at an example, right? Uh, instead of going to the definition, let's look at a, a,
1: a simple example. Uh, this is a car controller. So C is the uh, worst case execution time, T is the period, and D is the deadline. And these are the parameters, right? And we want to try any method to schedule the tasks. So,
2: easy way is uh, it's, uh, it's a a cyclic executive. It's basically a table, but it's not, it's not very flexible.
1: So you basically split the, the unit processor system uh, between the tasks like uh, speed measurement, uh, ABS and checking the field and repeat. And you may use different concurrency mechanism to
2: ensure you know there's no priority inversion. Now enter uh, Uh, FRP or priority version of this, So here is a copy and
1: restore operation. So let's look at this example. So if a lower priority task is aborted, terminated by a higher priority task, the lower priority task has to start as a new one. So it's not a preemptive scheduling. So you can see tau2 here, is uh, the up arrow means the the task arrives at that time. So tau one has higher priority. Uh, It arrives at three, it kills task two, and you can see task two with the execution time four. So WCET is the worst case execution time. It has to restart from the beginning. So you waste the, uh, the execution time, the three units at the beginning. This is not the case in conventional system. So analysis tool needs to be developed for FRP, even though it's it's a great programming paradigm and it can reduce errors in in programming and also makes it easy to verify, it's more robust, but you incur incur this uh, wasted uh, execution time cost.
2: So we need to develop tools to analyze this and also mitigate this. So again, these are the benefits I mentioned. Uh, so very limited work on uh,
1: Schedulability Analysis. So that's why we came in. And we focus initially on exact analysis, right? So, uh, so basically we look at the, the time that is lost and that could be interference and also upward. Interference means interference by higher priority task. So if you are the highest priority task, then your response time is simply your worst case execution execution time. But if you are the lower priority task, then you need to add the interference and the upward cost. Uh, Again, I have to go through this quickly, right? Because uh, 15 minutes is up very soon. Uh, but I think you get the idea. So you have this sum of the ceiling uh, of uh, this expression in order to obtain the, uh, the response time, right? Okay, in the worst case,
2: and, and then this is the maximum upward cost. And finally, we can arrive at a precise number so more um, efficient analysis would be uh, would be an approximation of this, and we have done that also. Right. And I'll show you, this is about the ABS.
1: So again, the same example. Uh, this my, were my two undergrad students who did research with me and very proud of them. Um, so this is an example with Ray Monotonic Scheduling. Wow. Uh, and this is as conventional, not FRP. So you can see C, the response time is
2: three. It's original execution time. You can see here, three, plus the time needed for A and B because A and B are higher priority. So they have
1: to be executed first. And the response time is six, right? So your own execution time, plus the execution time for A and B, right? Higher priority. But with FRP or PFRP, you have the abort cost. So the red area indicates the, indicate the wasted execution time. So now the response time of uh, C is no longer just you know, uh, A and B, but also the, uh, the wasted time because they, they uh, C was uh, basically interrupted by B and A. Right. But still at 14, it, it, it meets the data. So we need to develop the analysis tool for this in order to make FRP works for, uh, for real-time system to make them more robust. Uh, so I'm
2: going to flash through this quickly. And the goal of course is to stop the car, you know, real system, real impact. And finally avoid hitting an obstacle like a deer, right? So, who is, who is going to be very happy right that this works as uh, specified. So this
1: is a high level code of an exact analysis. Uh, we have several uh, approximation algorithms that will return uh, the result more quickly. Uh, not only are we are analyzing the uh, CPU, uh, time, but also uh, the memory. And we started out by looking at the scratch pad, which is a simple uh, cache, uh, analyzing the entire system with different levels of cache is in the works so that we can make uh, FRP uh, ready for prime time uh, in, in real-time system. So again, I'm not going to show you the details here, but basically this several slides deal with the, uh, the scratch pad, right? So eventually
2: we also want to analyze the cache. And our results are very close to the predictor. So uh,
1: the estimated time is very close to the uh, simulated execution
2: time, except one of these in this uh, benchmark uh, study. All right. And finally, let
1: me conclude the talk. Uh, by saying that with virtualization, especially with our model, uh, RRP, uh, and also with uh, FRP, we can enhance the the robustness and safety and performance of a physical system, like a real-time system or a cyber-physical system. And virtualization is great to isolate the intended application from other applications. FRP is great As as a not just as a programming language, but also as a specification language, and it allows uh, you know formal verification, you know, more easily. And the research impact is obviously to facilitate the design and the update because these systems are continuously evolving, and we want to make sure that they meet the timing constraint and logical correctness constraint in addition to to be reliable, robust, and also reduce the attack surface uh, by intruders. So thank you very much for your attention, a little bit of advertising. So if you're curious to find out more, you can read my textbook, Uh, check out the the earlier workshop that started all this research in St. Antonio, uh, in Vienna, in, uh, in Seoul, South Korea, and also at ASPROS in Providence. And finally, last December in Houston. Uh, This is a picture of NASA on the right with uh, Edward Lee from Berkeley, and with my student uh, Jennifer G. Wu Lee at RTSS, uh, you know, back to in-person hybrid, you know, last year. So thank you very much. And the rest are just the uh, references, right? So
2: let me just show them. And Joanne is waiting, and there are many references. And I think there are 11 or 12 pages, right? All right, and let me go back to the thank you slides. And thank you
1: very much. It's a pleasure to be here. And I hope to see you in person in the future.
0: Wonderful. Albert, thank you so much for the great presentation. Uh, those in attendance, if you have any questions, uh, please drop them in the Q&A box. Uh, we are uh, over the 520, but as we, as
2: normal, we usually stick around until 530 if there are questions. So, Albert, I'm going to get my calendar out here and... Uh,
0: Put an x on 16 years from today so that you can uh, keep your uh your cadence going so 16 years from now we'll have you present again all right definitely
2: it has to be in person <laughs>
0: <laughs> no let's try to make it sooner than that <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> So I don't want you to retire or me retiring.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it looks like we don't have any questions,
0: so we're we are, we, are uh, we pretty much finish on time. Albert again, great uh, great to see you, my friend. Thank you very much for participating, uh, students. We will be back here, uh, or, or, or all attendees, we will be back here next week. Do note that during uh, Purdue's spring break, student spring break, we will be uh, uh, we won't have a, a seminar that week, but we will pick up after that. We'll continue through the semester. We'll take the break uh, during the, the summer and then start again in the, the fall. So several more uh, through March, April, and into early May uh, this semester. And then one more pitch, one more time, is that uh, hope many of you, uh, both on campus as well as off, will have the opportunity to attend the 24th Annual Serious uh, Cybersecurity Symposium at Purdue. And the registration can be found as long, uh, along with the uh, Uh, the full agenda for the event at our website. So with that, we'll call it a day. Thank you very much. We'll see you all next week. Yeah. Thank you, Joy.
2: Thank you. And have a great spring break.